0: I hope you see that today and every single day, that every word that is contained in the Bible is relevant for your life today. Every teaching, every truth, see the beauty of the fact that the Bible was not written in a vacuum, but was written as a love letter to you. So that you can be able to see with your own eyes, through God's word, how He loves you. That you can see with his own eyes his promises, his power, his authority, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, his redemption. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. So many people in the world are searching for life wherever they can find it. We are among them. I am among them. We'll do whatever we have to do to live a little bit longer. And we'll do even more to make sure that while we are living, we are living happily. We'll do whatever it takes to have life. And yet we know that whatever we do, it's not true life. Today, we have a text in front of us that reveals everything that we need to have that life. No more No less, this is God's word. This is sola scriptura, what we're going to be digging into today. I'll ask you to please stand as we read from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word. I want to take you back today, about 500 years into the past. The world is on the brink of changing monumentally. Columbus had just sailed the ocean blue in 1492. The printing press is about to change everything about the way that human beings communicate. And the church... The church whose power spread across all of the developed world almost is on the brink of reformation. And man, did the church need reforming. The church itself was was deathly ill and the people inside it were spiritually in the darkness. I want to give you a symptom of what that looked like. The average person, it's, I mean, it's the Middle Ages, the average person, the average peasant mostly went through their whole life without ever seeing God's word. The average person could spend their entire lifetime on the earth and never see a Bible with their own two eyes. There are a number of reasons for that. I mean, the first reason is that the average person, the average peasant, was not completely literate at that time. And then you add to the fact that the printing press has not made its rounds yet, has not really been perfected and invented yet. And so... Most towns only had one Bible, and they were literally chained up somewhere so that the average person couldn't get at them. And then you add that to the fact that the Bible had only ever been translated out of its original languages of Greek and Hebrew into the language of Latin. And that's a language that is not the people's language, but the academic language. You put that all together and you see that, give or take, probably 95% of the church has never read for themselves about Jesus and has never seen for themselves the words of Jesus' promises and Jesus' life and Jesus' forgiveness. And I feel like that's kind of unfathomable for us right now. The prevailing advice of 2021, right, has been that if you're going to believe something, and if you're going to put your heart into something, you better have done your research. You better have looked for yourself. You better have seen everything from top to bottom before you invest yourself into that truth. And that's mostly good advice, right? But, but this is how people were getting their religion at this time, 500 years ago. And I do choose my words carefully. I chose that word religion instead of choosing the word Christianity because I hesitate to call what was going on at that time true Christianity. Because true Christianity is this, right? True Christianity is focused on Jesus. And salvation through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is Christianity's beating heart. And because of that beating heart, a Christian's focus is always on the future with Jesus in heaven. And even though Jesus was being preached during that time, and I give thanks that Jesus was being preached in that time, because the Holy Spirit works through that. Even though Jesus was being preached during that time, The beating heart of the church was not salvation through Jesus' sacrifice. The beating heart of the church was salvation through your work. Through the things that you do in order to earn Jesus' love and Jesus' sacrifice. And because that was the beating heart of the church, uh, the focus of every Christian was not looking forward to heaven with Jesus, but it was looking backwards at our sins and all the things that we have to do in order to make up for them. Can you imagine what it's like to live like that? To wake up every day wondering whether you've done enough to earn God's favor. I think we can see the way that this played out in people's hearts through the life experience of the young reformer, Martin Luther. He was the one that God used to reform the church. Martin Luther grew up in a family that was more well-off than most. His dad had enough money to send him off to be a lawyer. But Martin always had a really sharp conscience. A conscience that told him that he was sinful. And so his conscience bothered him so much that Luther, he he dropped out of law school and he became a monk. And he became a monk so that hopefully being bound up in a monastery and not being in contact with the rest of the world, hopefully he would sin less. And hopefully he would be able to do enough work to work off the sin that he had already committed so that hopefully when he died, he would have less punishment. And so Martin, he he worked so hard. He scrubbed the floors until his fingers bled and he stayed up all night rustling, With the devil in his mind, and he prayed until his voice was raspy. And do you know what the result was in his heart? Martin wrote about this later in his life that this was the time when he hated God in his heart. He hated God because the only thing that he knew about Jesus and about God the Father is that God hated sin. And since Martin knew that he was sinful, he figured God hated him. And so Martin, he hated God and he he wished that God would just get it over with and take him off the face of the earth. I'm bringing up this history because I want it to help illustrate how important this biblical teaching of sola scriptura, this biblical teaching of scripture alone, how important that is to each of our daily lives. Because it helps us ask this question. How does that happen? How does that happen that a man who who has dedicated himself to God, who has dedicated himself to God's word, who is about to be found to be the most brilliant man of his time, how does it happen that someone like Martin Luther hates God? And how does it happen that so many people in this world can hate a God who loves them so much? And how does it happen that people who are inside the church can search with all of their heart for the kind of life that, that Luther sought for with all, their, all his heart? How can they search and never find that life? The answer is twofold. This is your first and your second sermon note there. Spiritual darkness happens when, first, spiritual darkness happens when the Bible is not enough for us. And spiritual darkness also happens when the Bible is too much for us. It happens when the Bible is not enough for us, and it happens when the Bible is too much for us. Let's talk about that first one. Spiritual darkness happens when the Bible is not enough for us. I don't think there's anyone out there, really, who would go out and say this, that, yeah, I believe in the Bible, I believe in Jesus, but I believe that that the Bible is not enough, that, that I need more. You know, the Bible is huge, and the Bible is deep. People will always be, until the world ends, people will always be dedicating their lives to growing every single day in God's Word, and they will never reach the bottom. It's a beautiful thing. I don't think anybody would say that the Bible is not enough for them and yet the Bible still gets treated as though it isn't enough. Here's what I mean when I say that. John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. There John writes, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. I mean, it's so clear, it's so obvious in this verse what is necessary for salvation. It's faith in Jesus, and it's so clear that it's faith in Jesus, it's only faith in Jesus that can save us. And yet even though this is the most beautiful message that has ever been given to mankind, we still feel like we have to add to it. We still feel like we have to add ways in which we can receive Jesus. Ways that we can get to Jesus' level. I'm not going to throw any one Church, or any one belief system, or any one person under the bus this morning for doing that exact thing, but I do want to put your minds onto this. If you ever go to a church, including this one, and if you ever hear anything at that church that tells you that you need to be something and you need to do something extra in order for you to be loved by God. That church is adding to the Bible. And at that church, the Bible is not enough. I'm going to tell you get out of there. Because what happens when the Bible is not enough for us, when we add ways to get to Jesus, you know what happens? Spiritual darkness. I was traveling abroad. I was in Mexico City. I was taking an intensive uh, Spanish language class where where every single day, the only thing we were able to speak was Spanish. And I was traveling around the city with my Spanish tutor and we dropped into the art museum and, and we walked in and we saw a painting of Jesus. And at the sight of the painting, my tutor just started crying. And she apologized and she said to me, I always cry when I see Jesus. Because when I see Jesus, I'm reminded that I'm not doing enough for him. She had been taught her whole life about the things that she had to do in order to be worthy of being loved by God and by his son Jesus. And so... Can you imagine this? She stood in front of a picture of her Savior and she thought about her Savior Jesus and she wept in guilt and sorrow. When the Bible is not enough for us, when we add ways to get to Jesus, what happens is we are covered in spiritual darkness. What happens is that Jesus' grace and Jesus' love is hidden from us, just like it was hidden from Martin Luther and from many, many people during that time. Spiritual darkness also happens when the Bible is too much for us. When all of the teachings of the Bible are are, are too complex and, and, and too much for us to handle. And when that happens, what, what often happens in a church is, is God's word gets boiled down into one or two main truths and everything else becomes secondary. No, God is love. God is powerful. God is forgiving. I think as a Christian church in America, we're often pretty guilty of this one, boiling down God's truths into just a few words. It feels good to do that. It really does. It feels very comforting to talk every single Sunday about these just few things, about how much God loves us, about how how much God forgives us, about how much God has done for us. But I'll tell you what happens when we boil down God's word to just these few simple truths. We are covered in spiritual darkness. My wife and I took a trip up to Leavenworth for our anniversary, and we were sitting with each other and having a glass of wine and and watching the stars come out from behind the mountains. It was beautiful. And as we sat, a woman came down and she sat down next to us and started talking to us. And she found out that I was a pastor and that we were Christians. And so she told us her story. That she had grown up Christian and in her adult life she had bounced around from church to church to church and. And how she had loved some things about these churches. She loved that her pastors had just repeated to her over and over, God is love. God is love. God is love. And she actually made that recommendation to me as a church planting pastor. She's like, this is how you get more people to come to your church. You just repeat to them, God is love. God is love. God is love. But then I asked her why she's not part of a church right now. She thought about it, and she spoke slowly, and she said, "I'm starting to have doubts about whether God is love. As I've spent more of my time as an adult, I've seen in all the ways how the world can be so cruel." And so nonsensical in the way that it deals out suffering. I sit by my husband's side as he grows weaker and weaker from the cancer that's taking over his body. And I wonder how God can be love. If God is love, how can he treat people this way? Are you seeing this? When we boil God down to just a couple main truths and and we leave out the complexity of who He is and we we, we leave out all of the ways that He loves us, you see how we get covered in darkness and we take away the profoundness of God's love for us. When the Bible is not enough for us, when we feel like we need to add ways for us to get to heaven, we are covered in darkness. And when the Bible is too much for us and we boil God down and make him simple, we are covered in darkness. This happens for so many people who are searching for life in this world. So many people who try and find life just like Martin Luther was trying to find some kind of life And they're covered in darkness. That's why I'm so glad we have a text like this one in front of us for today. A text where we catch the writer, the writer the Apostle John, it's, a, it's as, if, as if we catch him in the mid, middle of a fond memory. He's sitting back in his chair and he's remembering all of the things that his Savior had done for him. And he lets us into his thought process of how he's writing. He lets us in, and he tells us, I didn't write everything down. And he does this again at the end of the next chapter, at the very end of the book. He says that, I didn't write everything down. If I had wrote down everything about Jesus' life, there wouldn't be enough room in all of the world to contain all the books. But I wrote these things down for a reason. I wrote these things down so that you may believe. John tells us that he didn't write everything down, but he tells us that he wrote down exactly what we need. He's saying, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I curated this book. And I included everything that you need so that you can know that Jesus is the one who is God's son so that you can know that Jesus is the one who is the Messiah who takes away sins. He wrote down everything that we needed to know. No more and no less. He says, these words are written so that you may believe As your next sermon note, the Bible was written so that you may believe. So that you may believe. I hope you take that to heart today. John certainly takes that to heart. And he wants you to take it to heart too. That's why he makes it personal For you. He doesn't say these things are written so that God's Word can be believable and so that Jesus can be believable. He writes these things so that you may believe. I hope you see that today and every single day that every word that is contained in the Bible is relevant for your life today. Every teaching, every truth. See the beauty of the fact that the Bible was not written in a vacuum but was written as a love letter to you. So that you can be able to see with your own eyes through God's Word how He loves you. So that you can see with His own eyes His promises, His power. His authority, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, his redemption. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. That's your last sermon note. The Bible was written so that you may have life. Martin Luther finally did get the chance to open the Bible and to read it for himself. And what he found there was the kind of life that he had been searching for all of his days. The kind of life where forgiveness is foundational. The kind of life where peace is for every day. The kind of life where joy overflows. The kind of life that can only be found in the pages of the Bible the kind of life that empties us from our sin and fills us up with God's forgiveness. Sola Scriptura. It is only through the words of the Bible that Jesus is revealed to us like this, where life is revealed to us like this. I'll close the sermon this way. We talked about how the Apostle John was the one who wrote this text. When he wrote this gospel, when he wrote his book, he was an old man. His bones were old, his joints were old, his sight was failing, his skin was wrinkled. And yet you can tell in every word he writes in his book that he is filled with life. And you already know how someone like that at that time of their life can be filled with life. It is only by the life of Jesus. It is only by his promises. Or we read that because he lives, we also will live. Sola Scriptura. It is by scripture alone that we know Jesus. It is by scripture alone that we have life. These words are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen.